BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. Today's interview is with a friend of mine. She is a real expert in the health and wellness industry. She has an incredible Instagram account, and I just love the knowledge she shares so much. I am, of course, talking about Vanessa Fitzgerald, otherwise known as V's Honey on Instagram. I was really drawn to Vanessa because she's someone who keeps it very real. Not only is she constantly spreading and sharing really good resources and science and just knows her shit around health and wellness. She's also someone who's not afraid to evolve, which I think is a really, really good quality that I look for um, it just in people in general, because I think that when we are too attached to something that we believe in, we read maybe a long time ago and we're not able to keep up with the science or the way the times are changing. I think that it's, it's just not the right thing to do. And I think Vanessa is just someone who's really able to evolve, keep up with the latest science and just an open mind. And as I said, an incredible resource. So today's episode is a value packed one. Um, we talk about getting off of Adderall. It's crazy. If you see her today on Instagram or in real life, or even know her content, she is just this stunning, glowing woman. And she has a really interesting background because she worked for this life that she has because for a long time she suffered from Adderall addiction and now she, and kind of how she got into health and wellness or like her practice started when she was helping people get off of Adderall. We also discuss literally all things health and wellness from the importance of slowing down, things like water enemas, um, balancing HRV, which is actually something that I am struggling with right now. And I'm actually going to go see Vanessa about this, but there is a lot that we cover in this conversation and I'm really, really excited to bring it to you. I think you'll walk away with a lot of knowledge. Before we get into it, I want to read you guys this week's review. 
Today's review comes to us from Shan Ferguson. I hope I'm saying that right. And she says, I'm going to guess this is a she, incredible tips and advice. It's been so fun watching this show grow and Sif's interviewing skills have strengthened so much. It's so insightful. And she asks all the juicy questions when interviewing guests. So thankful to have access to her wealth of knowledge. This is such a sweet review. Thank you so much, Shan. And, you know, it is really nice for me to read reviews like this, especially from you guys who've maybe been following the show for a while. And it just makes me feel really, really happy to know that you guys see the improvement that I am, you know, constantly hoping that I do as a host. And, you know, it is, it's really my goal to continue to bring you the best possible information that I can and continue to get better as a host. So reading stuff like this really makes my day. And you guys, if you want to support the show, all you have to do is open up the Apple podcast app, scroll down to where it says rate and review the show. And if you feel like I've deserved it, leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, let me know anything you want to hear. That could be guests, topics, maybe guests you've loved from the past or tips you have for me. I'm always looking to hear from you guys. It always helps me improve. And I just really, really appreciate any feedback I get. So if you take the time to do that, I am very grateful for you. With that, let's welcome Vanessa Fitzgerald to the Dream Bigger podcast. So the first thing I want to talk about is Adderall, because I know that you've been really open about the fact that, you know, you kind of went through a whole journey with Adderall and you specialize in Adderall detoxing. So can you share your background with all of this? So I was on Adderall for 13 years and I started it around like 17, I want to say. And then when I woke up and I was 30, I just decided that nothing was really going where I wanted it to go in my life. Like my career wasn't really anywhere. My relationships weren't anywhere. And I felt like I had done all the things I had tried everything. But the one thing I didn't try was getting off of speed, essentially, because that's what Adderall is. Nobody has an Adderall deficiency. It's amphetamine. That's the direct translation of what it is. And it's one ingredient away from methamphetamine. We all know what meth is. insane. So because of that, I decided to get off of it. And then I journaled it because at the time, it's so funny. I talk about it now because I think I've like spoken about it ad nauseum. And the fact that like there's a shortage right now I didn't realize that. There's an Adderall shortage. Yeah, it's like a full epidemic right now of Adderall because since 2020, people slowed down and they got lazy. Yeah. And then they got, they were not motivated. I think they got confused. It's a confusing time. I'm sure it was a very traumatic time for a lot of people. It was a really hard time for a lot of people. And because of that, they figured a lot of doctors were like, here's an antidepressant and here is Adderall to make you go and do things and motivate and whatever it is. Well, because I want to say 40% of the country is on Adderall or something like something crazy like that. There's a crazy number statistic. Don't quote me, but it's really large. And because of that, there's a shortage. They can't produce the medication as fast as they are prescribing it. So because of that, I'm having a big surge in it. Like I haven't really dealt or spoken about Adderall in years because mm-hmm. For me, it's like with my life, it's like I'll be really into a topic. And then Mm -hmm. once I move on from it, I get obsessed with another topic. And because of that, I just think that less people were coming to me for it. But now people have no choice because they can't get the meds. So So, now they're coming to me to get off of it. What is like if someone genuinely has a reason to be on out? Because like this is the fucked up thing is that with Adderall, it's like people are using it for weight loss. They're using it for actual like ADD 
I mean, they're using it for a multitude of reasons. And it's like so easy to get it. Like, I remember when I was in college, it was like people would be popping Adderall from like the one guy who actually had the prescription just to like study all night. Right. Right. I was always too scared to do it. Like, I'm glad I never did. But if someone has a genuine prescription to Adderall, how like what's their alternative? Well, first of all, no one needs Adderall. Like, mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a deficiency of amphetamine in your brain. It's yeah. not actually doing anything for your brain other than overriding your brain's ability to build dopamine by itself. So while Adderall can make you feel like you're on top of the world or like you're studying, it's like an insecure confidence that comes over you. And not only that, it causes anxiety and depression. It causes disconnection. I can instantly usually tell when somebody's on Adderall because they're not really connected. They're not a very present person, Mm -hmm. period. And there's this like underlying like fear, like a grit in them. Now, the only thing I've seen, whereas I I have this one kid in my practice, I want to say he's like around seven, I want to say, seven or eight. And he is taking Adderall because he has ADHD, but he's super hyperactive. So when he takes Adderall, it calms him down and he becomes mute. I'm actually working with the parents because at the time, the parents didn't know what to do. They were nervous. He was adopted. They weren't sure how to handle the situation. Now they're like, but they're very aware. They're like, we don't want our kid to be on a drug, especially one that makes him look like he's in a coma every time he takes it. So because of that, I'm actually working to rebuild his brain. We don't need Adderall. We have disinterest and not all of us learn the same way. We're put into this box. We're not interested in doing half the stuff we want to do. And sometimes we have to do what we don't want to do in life. And it's exhausting. But if something doesn't feel right, if you're not motivated in your life, if you're not excited about something in your life, like how can we change that? Mm -hmm. Sure. There's such thing as brain fog. Absolutely. What are you eating? What are you doing on a day-to-day? What's your thought life like? There are so many other adaptogens that actually do things for your brain. They actually rebuild parts of your neuropathways, not destroy them by giving you a drug that's so hard on your kidneys, so hard on your adrenals, so hard on your thyroid. Like these things will make your body crash over time. So then if you are helping someone get off of it, like is it like a very unique protocol for each person or are there like certain things that someone can take? Say, for example, they do suffer from brain fog, right? And maybe they're tempted to take Adderall or maybe they're wanting to come off of it. Like what do you recommend? It depends where the brain fog is coming from. So Mm -hmm. I have a lot of COVID brain that comes across my desk all the time. And Mm -hmm. the COVID brain has nothing to do with these people aren't actually looking for Adderall. They literally it's they can't think they cannot think. So what I do is I have to help move the virus out of the body because it's I find that the virus kind of sits in the body almost like a mono or something that has a long term side effect. That's why we see these long haul COVIDs that they call them. So we want to actually move these things out of the body. And then we want to start to work on where in the brain is it affecting the brain? Mm -hmm. Is it affecting the brain, though, or is it affecting the gut or the thyroid that's causing the brain to kind of shut down because everything's connected in the body? Now, when if it's just somebody that's used to being on Adderall or can't concentrate, can't study, I'm working with a woman right now who has a really important job where she works in finance and she wanted to get off Adderall and transitioning to this new job. Yeah. We're finding right now is while she has the perfect protocol now, we've, we've, there are great adaptogens, by the way, across the board for people. Things like lion's mane, cordyceps, ashwagandha, rhodiola, these are all amazing things, herbs, adaptogens that help support the brain and neural pathways. But if someone's coming to me one on one and they're like, I really am unwell, mm-hmm. we look at everything. We look at their hormones, we look at their gut, we look at 
every single aspect of their body to find why is their brain not functioning the way that they need it to function. Mm -hmm. And you talked about getting the virus out of your body. Mm -hmm. And I know that long COVID is like such an issue for a lot of people. And it does lead to a lot of brain fog. What do you do? So we just, in my practice, we test for immune challenges, right? So let's say it's a bacteria, a virus, a fungal or a parasite. So Mm -hmm. hence a virus. So the virus is still in the body. We have to go in and give something to the body to help support the body in detoxing, letting go of that virus. And then we have to give something called drainage. If we don't drain it from the body, then basically we're breaking up these pathogens, these disruptors, these toxins, and they're just floating around our system, but they're not necessarily leaving. They're Mm -hmm. just moving into other areas, causing other chronic issues. Mm -hmm. So we support the body with something called drainage, which means we just help the body process all of of the stuff through the liver. Well, that we have major organs that that things leave the body, right? So we have our liver, we have our gallbladder, we have our bowels, we have our small intestine, we have our kidneys, we have our lymphatic system. We need these organs to be functioning and helping push this stuff out. But that's what I'm asking. Like, how supplements. do you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's all supplements. So I give drainage and I give something to attack it. So it's all supplements. And I use primarily whole food based supplements. Uh-huh. And I use a lot of organ meats in my supplements because it, over evolution, we used to eat a lot more organ meats. We don't anymore. We've steered away from how we're normally meant to eat. We're eating a lot of packaged, processed replacement goods. So when it comes to organ meats, like if someone doesn't like the taste of it, like do you take it in like capsule form? Yeah. So a lot of my supplements have organ meats. So I'm not going to make them. I don't, I'm rarely telling my clients to have organ meats unless there's a client who's dying to get pregnant. And I'm like, I need you to eat some liver. Just eat some liver. And then they usually, their folic acid and their folate goes up. So then tell me about... Like if someone like someone is feeling like the effects of long COVID at home, what are some supplements that you recommend they take? Lion's mane is great. I would get some sort of infrared sauna or, you know, it's like a sauna blanket or find somewhere that has a sauna so you can really start to try and sweat it out. Do some dry brushing, get your lymphatic system moving. Rhodiola is great for mood and, and cognitive support. Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is for stress, but our brains are constantly going all the time, especially with social media and especially with TikTok. TikTok's the worst thing for our brains. And because it's so fast, we're we're actually giving ourselves ADD. Kids are just having ADD like all the time because their attention span is that of like, I think it's 30 second, not even 30 second attention span now. And because of that, we just need to slow it down a little bit. And ashwagandha just helps you basically de-stress, almost like slow it down so you can think clearly. It's not like people think like I'm not thinking clearly because I need to speed things up, but we usually have to slow things down. So rhodiola, ashwagandha, lion's mane, cordyceps is great for physical energy. There's different things that can help adrenal function. There's a great line called, I mean, a great company called Standard Process. They have things like Drenamin, which is great for adrenal support. You can take a B12 for adrenal support. Vitamin D is essential. It's a hormone. Things like the these are things that can really help supercharge the body. NAD is great. Science for Health has something called CellGuard. That is a great compound that I like to help support cellular regeneration in the body. Really just depends on, again, what the person needs individually. But these are things that people can just do generally. So the other day, I installed a water purifier, AquaTrue to be specific. And Nish freaked out. He's like... 
I cannot believe you got something so over the top and high tech, but Hey, you know what, when it comes to health and wellness stuff, you guys know, I take my stuff very seriously and water is a huge part of that. Okay. We definitely want to make sure we are drinking the best quality water possible. And that is why I am a fan of AquaTrue. So here are some facts about water. 60% of our bodies are made of water. And if you're like me or have done research around water in general, especially in a place like California, or I know it's like this in a lot of other states, tap water isn't necessarily the cleanest source of water. And having safe, clean water is the last thing that you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in its tap water. So because of this insane fact, I think that it's really important for us to really pay attention to the kind of water we're drinking. AquaTrue is an incredible water purifier. It uses four-stage reverse osmosis purification process and their countertop purifiers work with no installation and plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. So this really is, you know, the Rolls Royce of water. They have water purifiers to fit every type of home from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher capacity under the sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. Its proprietary purification technology is independently tested and certified to NSF standards to remove over 80% of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs, known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and so much more. It's the same technology used by all the major bottled water brands, but now it's available for your home and without the plastic waste. So it's really, really sustainable. The filters are affordable and long lasting and no changing filters every two to three months. So you're all set. AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years. How insane is that? AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes for a great gift. So this is really a risk-free choice that you're going to make for your health or health of your loved ones. Today, you guys can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout. That is 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code DREAMBIGGER. Enjoy. All right, you guys. So last week I had Shervine, who is the co-founder of Symbiotica on the podcast, and you guys seem to love the episode. And it is, of course, no surprise to me because he is an absolute wealth of knowledge and I have so much respect and admiration for what he's built. Symbiotica is kind of a mainstay in my supplement stack. I love their longevity mushrooms. It tastes like dessert. It's this chocolatey delicious blend. And I am just such a fan. Symbiotica is a health supplement company designing sophisticated formulations that are scientifically proven to increase vitality and longevity by filling nutritional gaps that result from our modern day diet. What I love about Symbiotica's products is that they are known to be very bioavailable. They are all in liposomal formatting, which is just a really effective way for our bodies to 
receive supplements, especially specific kinds of supplements. So things like vitamin C, mushrooms. And so I just have a lot of respect for how well-researched the company is and the integrity that Shervin as a founder has as well. For the month of April, Symbiotica is partnering with the National Forest Foundation to plant one tree for each order placed, which I think is a beautiful value add and just a way for them to give back. I know that probably, you know, like so much intention went behind this and speaking to Shervin, I know how, um, how much he believes in us connecting with nature. And so I think that this is just a really, really beautiful way for them to tie that into the brand. So a lot of respect for them, a lot of love for them. And fun fact, you can take their online quiz to figure out the best supplements for your specific health goals as well. So if you're curious about what supplements you should take, maybe you're a little bit confused or overwhelmed, that is a great solve. Of course, Symbiotica has an offer for you guys. Use code dreambigger on symbiotica.com for 15% off site-wide or create your own custom bundle and get up to 45% off. The code applies on top of custom bundle discounts. So this is an awesome deal. Quite frankly, I'm going to be using it for myself because no shame in using my own code, but it's a really great brand and I think you guys will like it. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession, beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand, always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I have a selfish question. Mm -hmm. I saw you post about HRV levels Uh in your stories today and Uh how you went into the cold plunge. Does that have anything to do with adrenals? For sure. So my resting heart rate lately has been higher than it should be. So overall, my HRV is very low. And recently in like the last, I want to say two weeks, it's like falling in the category of that of like a 65-year-old, which is crazy. And because of that, it's just showing me that my body is like taxed. I've been in a sympathetic state. I've been pushing my body more than it should be pushed, drinking caffeine to override it. And the whole point of cold plunges is like, typically they're meant to help with sleep, for example. Mm -hmm. And while my sleep is stellar, it's just like when I'm sitting down, like right now when I'm talking to you, my heart rate is probably more elevated than, you know, another athlete next to me. And I do consider myself an athlete. So it's strange that that's happening. When the cold plunge hits your vasal vagal nerve, basically your body just starts to go into the parasympathetic state. So you'll hear often, I'm super amped up after a cold plunge, but then I get really, really tired. It's because your body is just decompressing. It's relaxing back Mm -hmm. in. So like after this morning when I did the cold plunge, I had like a moment where I was like really tired. And instead of like pounding caffeine to get again, mess with my HRV, I decided to like lay down and do a 10 minute meditation, just allow myself to go out for 10 minutes and then come back in. And then I was instantly more energized. Can I show you the craziest thing? The reason I asked this question is I'm going to show you like the most fucked up thing. Okay. (laughs) Literally pulling up my aura ring stats right now. But When I saw you post about your HRV, I was like, well, shit, because mine has been so fucked for the last like two months. Like, What is it? Today, it was seven. 
No. Yes. I'm not joking. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's I'm so much. <laughs> yes. I'm telling, and like, so this started Is it reading you properly. Yes. I'm telling you. And like, what's your resting heart rate? Today has been, so, today was high. Like last night, I don't even know. I think it was because I had like a glass of wine, but it was 90 last night, which is like unbelievable. Like, I've, it's never Do you like have that. High blood pressure? No. No. Yeah, you got to work on this. Yeah, I know. So it was all fine and good. Usually it's like around 69, 70. It's just, I don't know what happened last night. Yeah, but your resting heart rate should be in the 40s. Really? Yeah. I got to come see you. Yeah, 30s to 40s. Like my resting heart rate is 56. That's too high. Really? Yeah. Wait, so why? For my age uh-huh. and my fitness level, it's too high. So wait, why does that happen? Like why is your... It means your body's not recovering, period. There's no recovery time. If your heart rate is above a certain amount, think about it. Like your body is never actually resting and relaxing, period. Like what's your heart rate while you're sleeping? I'd also look at that. Because that is that is my sleeping. Yeah. No, you're not actually sleeping. Like you're not getting rest. Oh my God. Yeah. It's too many beats per minute. It's working too hard. Okay. Well, what do we do if we're in this predicament? (laughs) Clearly, (laughs) my work has taken a toll on me. Well, I mean, there's so many different things you can do, but cold plunge definitely does shock the body. It pushes the body into the parasympathetic state. Less caffeine, for sure. Any, Any kind of stimulant, I would do like a detox of like, whether it's social media or because that's also considered a stimulant, anything mm-hmm. that stimulates the brain, right? Mm-hmm. Pop music is a stimulant. Classical music is not. Yeah. So we want to cut down on stimulants because we want the brain's ability to reset, right? And then learn how to build dopamine on its own rather than pulling from other things. Now, when we are in the parasympathetic state, that's when our body can rest, relax, digest, recover. It also has to do with digestion. If our heart rate's too high, we're also not fully digesting our food when we're in the when we're in the parasympathetic state. So because of this, I would do cold plunge. I would obviously meditation slows the heart rate, but like to get the heart rate down, really like I know I said I did a 10-minute meditation. I was already half asleep before going into it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do a meditation, I always like to say at least 20 to 30 minutes because it takes five to 10 minutes alone, probably 10 for somebody who's pretty keyed up to just get to that calm state. And then you're only really in meditation for 10 minutes. So you need it. The whole point is just you got to like figure out how to like slow it down, like workouts. If it's like a high intensity workout and you're constantly like that, I would more so like go on like long hikes or walks outside, be in nature. Nature helps cue up the parasympathetic nervous system as well. It's so interesting. So I went skiing in January Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's when my HRV like dipped so much lower than normal. And my heart rate was like out of control because obviously like there was like some elevation or whatever. And I feel like it just didn't really come down after that. It's like the weirdest thing. Obviously, I've been under a ton of stress, so it makes sense. But that can happen though. Honestly, I mean, in nutrition response testing, we have things called something called blocking and switching of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So if the nervous system gets blocked, for example, it's like your nervous system goes into the off position. Nothing's really working. I could be drinking all this water, but it's not really hydrating me. I could be taking all these supplements, but I don't really feel anything. Maybe I'm not going to the bathroom as normal. Like my body just isn't functioning and nothing is really pushing it. We have to figure out what's blocking the nervous system. It sounds like your nervous system sort of went into a shutdown maybe in response to the altitude, maybe in response to altitude plus stress, maybe it was in response to something completely different that was in the atmosphere of wherever you were skiing, you Mm -hmm. know? 
And when it decides to shut down like that, organ systems start to stop working fun- like as optimally as they should. Because like I said, it's the heart, right? But it's also your autonomic nervous system. So mm-hmm. if the autonomic nervous system starts to turn off, then the heart's going to be under a lot of stress. So it's almost like just figuring out what shut down the nervous system and then dealing with that. And then that helps bring the heart back up to where it needs to be. That is so interesting. Talk to me about what you said. You said nutrition response testing. Yes. What is that? So that's basically what I do. That is what I do. That takes up most of my hours of the day. Monday through Thursday, we're in clinic and I see clients from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., see about 75 to 85 people a week. We have 250 people in rotation. And basically what we do is we just help people heal from chronic mystery illnesses, people Mm -hmm. that are just not feeling well and they can't seem to figure out how to get well. They come to me because I'm usually their last resort because what I do is very outside of the box. It has a lot to do with quantum physics. It has a lot to do with energy work. And it does have to do with a form of First, it was an applied kinesiology, but now that I'm doing it virtually, obviously I'm not pressing on any arms, but I am working with a lot of energy and a lot of quantum physics when I'm working with people. And it's it's highly effective. I, I, nobody really knows that I do it because my website doesn't really say that I do anything like that. There's no place to book anything and as well as my Instagram because I don't really have the time because I'm in clinic to post on Instagram. I don't really post about my clinic because also it looks like it's weird. It's just opening myself up to it's not weird. I shouldn't say that. It's highly effective. But well, it's actually not weird at all. It's because outside like of I, the box. Yeah. <laughs> but like I know people like your clients and like people are obsessed with you. Yeah. And it's all word of mouth. So that's how I get clients now. It's by people sharing about what I do or telling their friends or their family. And so then I also see whole families. I also work with a lot of women with their babies. Mm -hmm. And so I'll see them from birth. And now it's like I've only really started working on pregnant women the last three years. So like I now have three-year-olds that I have known before they were even came into this world. Oh, my God. So, so, you know, it doesn't matter what age. You're never too sick, too old, too far gone to start to try and get well or get a little bit better. And a lot of what we do is preventative health care. So I get this question all the time. It's like, well, how long do I have to be on pills for? And I'm like, first of all, don't think of it as pills. It's nutrients. It's just 100% it's nutrients. extra food you're not getting in your food. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how long and how well do you want to live? Like, I'm just in here. Like, for example, I went on a supplement the other day. I've got skin cancer in my family. There's been multiple family members that have gotten skin cancer removed, and it has been basal skin care. So they've had to do chemo cream and whatnot. I'm now on a skin supplement that is helping restore my skin so that I don't get skin cancer later on. And I just had a biopsy of something I thought could be skin cancer and it wasn't. So everything that I do on a daily basis for myself is also preventative because I want to live long feeling as good as I feel now. Well, preventative is the way to go, right? Because it's so much harder once things have already gone wrong and you spend way more money and, you know, it's just like so taxing emotionally. Whereas if we're preventative to begin with, then we don't come into or like we like largely diminish our chances of like being in that place to begin with. Yeah. And you get to live like a longer and healthier life. Whereas I feel like right now we're trending towards like long, but like sicker lives, which is like 
that sucks. For sure. For sure. We're living longer, but we are living sicker because we have one medication that beats another medication that beats another medication that beats another medication. And now even the health industry is just getting so involved in some of this stuff. Like there's a lot of injections now. We're getting peptide injections and we're getting Ozempic and we're getting all this other stuff that we're putting in our bodies that all create a side effect. Mm -hmm. Now, like peptides, for example, that's like a huge, that and stem cells are a huge hot button topic. It's great. It's a great cell. It's a great like, oh my God, I totally get this. Where are these peptides being sourced? I've seen oftentimes all these peptides are being sourced from like sick pigs, for example. What? And a lot of women are going to like, or men are going to like Mexico to get these stem cell injections and these peptide injections because they heard so-and-so on TikTok or podcast or whatever it was. But then you're seeing that it's coming from like a dead guinea pig or some sort of whatever that has died from some sort of disease. And you don't know where they're pulling some of these peptides, what chemical compounds they're using to to mix it with. Is it with water? How much water? How much is it mixed with other maybe like metals or conductors, things like that? It's just, it hasn't been around long enough. Do I think that these things over time will get really good at making us like superhuman for sure. But right now we're still in the experimental phase. Mm -hmm. So with everything like this, with every medication that we're taking, we may be living longer. But like I said, we're living sicker because then we need to go on something else to help with this because our hair is falling out and then our thyroid's crashing. Then also we have high blood pressure, but our high blood pressure medication is giving us anxiety and then we're on anxiety medication. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a loop. It's really scary. Yeah. It's really, really scary. I know we've mentioned thyroid a couple of times where you said that, you know, different things impact people's thyroids, whether you're on medication, it could be like lifestyle factors, whatever it is. If someone is suffering from thyroid issues, how can they help normalize it? And or like what are alternative methods for weight loss? So. For thyroid, I think first and foremost, you should get your thyroid tested, right? And just because sometimes when your thyroid levels, you want every number tested, by the way, not just your TSH or not your just your T4. You want every single number of the thyroid tested. If you're going to test a thyroid, you may as well test vitamin D, vitamin B12, your glucose, your A1C, and your insulin. Those are all essential to anti-aging, to weight loss, to all of these important things that a lot of us are so focused on. Now, in order to heal the thyroid naturally, we can do a lot with our food. So there are certain foods that cause disruption in our thyroid's ability to intake iodine, things like kale, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, beans. Most grains, if not all grains, cause issues with the thyroid as well. So if you're really, really passionate and focused on on working on your thyroid, I would just cut those foods out alone, period. Let's start there. And if someone doesn't have issues with their thyroid, like, do you just recommend that women stay away from these foods in general? No, it just depends on who they are. Mm -hmm. Do they've got problems? Do they not? I usually don't take these foods away if they're not causing any harm. Kale, I really don't see a point to, period. But other than that, like... You need to explain why, because I know that there's a lot of kale fanatics who are listeners. For sure. But then also you have people like Dave Asprey and Mark Hyman coming out with statements about kale being like the worst thing you could put yeah, in your body. Yeah, 100%. So it's not that like, we're not here to try and vilify kale. It's just that it's it contains like naturally, like anything has has natural compounds like Almonds, for example, have cyanide naturally. Cyanide is also a poison. No, I'm not saying don't eat almonds. Yeah. I'm just saying these things, depending on the amount and the the density and how much we're eating of them, will compound in our system over time. Unfortunately, kale 
contains a ton of things that basically block our thyroid's ability to intake iodine and cause a lot of gut disruption. So that's why kale's not like the most ideal food in the world. It's not as healthy as we once thought it was. Sure, it has health benefits, but we have to see what the pros and cons are. And I'm sure there are people who have like the strongest guts who can really pulverize kale and it doesn't really do anything to them. They eat it every once in a while. I'm talking about the chronic kale juicers, kale chips, kale salads. That's a lot of kale. Yeah. It's too much kale. So it's like moderate the amount of kale yeah. that you're eating, if any. Yeah. <laughs> if you're having thyroid issues, of course. maybe not. If you're out to dinner and there's a kale salad, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to kill you. But like I'm just saying, like if it's kale, like in your, it's like in your fridge, it's a staple, you're snacking on it, you're drinking it, like pounding the kale. Yeah. Relax <laughs> on the kale. And also like I would love to know what your farts are like. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> But if it's not a super irritant, then like you can have it here and there, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So then there's that piece for the thyroid. What else? So it depends on where the thyroid's at, really, right? Is like, is it hyper? Is it hypo? Mm-hmm. I use a lot of supplements to help clients work on their thyroids. A lot of thyroid issues. I mean, it, it's hard because I can't just start rattling off supplements because yeah. it could be the wrong thing. Like mm-hmm. somebody could be allergic to iodine and we need iodine for our thyroid, right? So like we have to find other ways to get the body to start producing iodine on its own, things like that. But other than that, you know, a lot of Chinese medicine and spirituality, we find that the thyroid tends to get blocked or get weighed down when we're not speaking our voice, when we're not speaking our truth and we're not sharing our opinion. And when we silence ourselves, that's when our thyroid tends to get irritated. That's another way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. And then we go to the gut. So our gut literally is directly connected to our thyroid. If our thyroid is low or too high, we usually have constipation or diarrhea or bloating. And if our gut has too much backup in it and has constipation or diarrhea or bloating, then usually our thyroid is off. So it's like it goes in this circle. Mm -hmm. The two talk to each other all the time. So I'm a big fan of working on the gut too. So we have gut issues. Most likely we have or are going to have a thyroid problem. So let's work on the gut. Let's start with food. Let's figure out what's going on in the gut. There are amazing tests that you can run all the time now, like, you know, stool tests, blood tests, breath tests. All of these things are great with nailing what's going on with the gut. How important is looking at things like blood type and ancestry when it comes to determining how someone should be eating? It's a factor because mm-hmm. there's so many things that come into like you as a human, right? right? So so even though, you know, you are this, let's say you're an A blood type and you come from this ancestry, it just depends on there are so many subtypes within one blood type, for example. So if you're an A, but you're mom was an O and your dad was an A, maybe you have actually a propensity to actually digest meat better than most A's because your mom's genetics played a larger role than your dad's. It's so complex. Mm -hmm. Ancestry, sure. But then I also see people with autoimmune disorders that are Persian, for example, and I'm like, you got to stop eating rice right now because it's inflaming you, even though they can digest rice really well, typically. Depends on the person. So then Do you have like a certain kind of like, I guess, way that you recommend people eat? Like, is it kind of, can you, I guess, make broad generalizations or no? The only broad generalization I make is eat whole foods. Eat as if you were stuck on a farm and all you can eat is what you pick, you gather, you grow, you fish, 
you hunt. That's it. Eat that. And no sauces and stuff like that? Or I mean, olive oil is like the ideal sauce that's like not going to cause any issues in anyone, essentially. Mm-hmm. Sea salt is the number one also, you know, spice that should be going on things. And when you start to get outside of those two things, then yeah, sure, everybody's got something wrong with another thing. I love a good sauce. I think, but I think the problem is, is that we a lot of the country loves so many sauces, but sauces nationwide are full of really bad yeah, things. Yeah, totally. Right? So it really depends on just read ingredients. You know what I mean? But also like, you know, tomato sauce, for example, you can make that on a farm, right? A clean tomato sauce with olive oil and whatever it is. And that's great. But then you have somebody who can't really digest tomatoes. Fine. All I'm saying is you want to go back to mother nature. Just think of mother nature. If you were living out, like you're not going to whatever, Ralph's, Whole Foods, Erewhon, Piggly Wiggly, I don't know. You're not going to these stores and buying a bag of chips. Like when you're on the farm, where are you going to get these chips? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you have to grow the potato. You have to cut the potato. You got to make the potato. You know what I mean? It's just like, let's get back to the roots of where food really came from. I I love that. It's like such simple advice. And I think that also... When we think of being healthy, sometimes we like complicate it too much. It's like you you feel like you need like the almond, you know, almond flour crackers yeah. and like all of these things. And they're great to have, by the way, and they're yeah. delicious. But that shouldn't be the thing that makes up your diet. You it's know what I mean? Staple. I love when I start to take away things from people and they're like, I can't eat anything. And I'm <laughs> like, try food. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, what? And also, like, the amount of avocado, coconut, and almond I see in people's, you know, it's a healthy replacement. People want healthy replacements. So they're like, I'm going to have this avocado mousse followed by this coconut yogurt, and then I'm going to have these almond flour crackers, and then that's my nutrients for the entire day. No, you're also going to feel bloated, probably tired, swollen. Like, these are these are not th- – these foods are not – like eating a piece of salmon with some great arugula and some olive oil and sea salt, we need to get back to the basics. It's all snack foods. And snack foods are great and they're fun, but it's not like the base of our diet. So talk to me about like just snacking in general. Are you a fan of snacking or do you like three big meals throughout the day? It really depends on the on the person. Mm-hmm. I tend to tell people I really only want them to do three meals a day because when I tell them to snack, it really gets out of control. Yeah. I think the ideal snacking should be like jicama or some like mini cucumbers, olive oil, sea salt, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But when I learn more about the complexity of humans and like, for example, if I were to look into something like human design, do I know that that is like legitimately a thing that we should be listening to or following. I find it all very fascinating. Mm -hmm. But some people's body types are like, you know, you should be eating every few hours because you're burning more than the average human. That totally makes sense to me. So I think that while we snack too much, we're also not babies. We don't need constantly need to have a snack or to put something in our mouth. And a lot of us are mindlessly eating and it's almost just an oral fixation. It's a comfort thing, something we learned as kids. If you can do mindful snacking, I'm not an anti-snacker whatsoever. If your metabolism does better with snacking every few hours, and you but you feel and you look your best, right? You're not having any complaints about anything, then by all means, snack. This is the thing. So for me personally, I know that if I'm snacking, it means that I've either like 
I've like not eaten enough essentially. So I will find myself snacking when I've skipped lunch or I don't know, like my breakfast hasn't been big and satiating enough. So it's typically like a byproduct of me not having given myself enough nutrients like the previous meal. Totally. I totally agree with you. And I always tell people, especially when I see them snack after dinner, that's where I draw the line. (laughs) There's no snacking after dinner. I'm sorry. Eat dinner. Just eat a full dinner. And I get it. I get it because I get the munchies too at night. I really do, especially if like alcohol is involved. But let's just say it's on a weeknight. And like last night, I ate a salad. I'm like, I was full. Like, this is enough, Vanessa. (laughs) And like two hours later, I'm like, I'm hungry. But it's also 930 at night. Like my body is trying to go to bed and I'm trying to stay up to watch a show or do whatever, clean my house. And because I'm doing that, my body's looking for instant fuel in the form of a snack preferably something sweet or carby. But then I just drink a bunch of water and I'm like, it's obviously time for me to go to sleep now because eating before bed disrupts your sleep cycle. It's not good for digestion. Like that is not a thing. Eat a full meal and then really, really, really be mindful. It's time to go to sleep. It's time for your body to go down. But when we're forcing our body to stay up past the time it wants to go down, that's when we get really munchy on things. A hundred percent. Talk to me about insulin resistance. How often are you seeing this with clients? And if someone suspects that they are insulin resistant, specifically women, because I feel like it's kind of like sometimes an issue with for women specifically, what can they do? Well, really, we only find insulin resistant in like diabetes and PCOS, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not like just finding it with with women now, period. If they are, if they're finding that's an issue, there's something else going wrong with their hormones. I wouldn't say let's just go point to the insulin right away. Mm -hmm. Something else could be driving that number. Mold poisoning could be driving that number. The thing with insulin is we want to keep our insulin as level as we can throughout the day. We don't want we're gonna Spikes, have yeah. we're gonna have ups and downs, but they should look gradual. If you were to wear a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, they shouldn't look like spike and then crash and then spike and then crash. That's a lot. It's a lot on your blood sugar. What I think is so great about these CGMs is that we get to learn because things spike different people in different ways. Mm-hmm. But pretty much across the board, there are things like protein doesn't spike, you know, unless you're binging on protein. Certain protein, unless it's in a sauce as well. So we got protein, we got vegetable. Starches usually spike people, period. So it's all about how you're eating your starches. What type of starches are you eating? Honey does not really spike anybody that much is what I've seen across the board as well. But then there are certain fruits like banana that can really spike someone. Some people don't have as big of a spike. Any fruit I eat really spikes me, but except for blueberries. So we kind of learn these things about ourselves. And the whole point is just to eat a balanced meal, right? So I try to say protein, fat, veggies, limited starch. Not a lot of us need a ton of starches. Do you have any favorite starches and like ones that you like to stay away from? I like to say grain-free starches. I used to say sweet potato and yam all the time, but then I see that causing issues with people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, it really depends on the person. White rice over brown all the time. And I would just say as far as what kind of starches you're eating, I'm not a fan of quinoa. But Wait, it, you just said white rice over brown? Mm-hmm. Why? Because the outside of the the brown rice contains so many toxins, especially in the U.S., like mm-hmm. so many toxins, glyphosates, arsenic, all types of things. And when you have white rice, it blanches all that off of the grain. And you tend to have less of a histamine reaction to the food over time. What about things like wild rice and black rice? That's a good question. I haven't looked into black rice and wild rice. 
as the last thing I read is not as inflammatory as brown rice can be. Brown rice also really spikes insulin for some reason. Really? More, More than, than white? Oh, yeah. I've seen so wow. many diabetics go into diabetic shock from these brown rice chips that they'll eat or rice crackers. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around. No, brown rice does something to the body. And so I always, yeah, I always like to say, unless, I don't know, it's really hard to find a great brown rice. Mm-hmm. With white rice, it's also great to have it with fat. So like a good grass-fed butter or ghee or some olive oil. I know Dave Asprey likes to use MCT oil on his rice mm-hmm. just to help also slow down the insulin spike. Because it'll still spike you, but at least it's a little bit less inflammatory because you're not exposing yourself to all the other stuff. Do you feel like when it comes to consuming starches, you like when female clients kind of like eat more starches during a certain period of their cycle versus not? No, I'm not as into that whole eating for your cycle thing. I think some people are, and I think that's great. And I think it can help some people. For me personally, it's not necessarily about that. The only thing I really do see is that some women really do need to eat some more red meat around their period because they're losing so much iron. Other than that, I think that, sure, it can be helpful towards some people. But for example, like my body with starches, if I were to be like, oh, this is a part of my cycle where I just need to eat a bunch of starches, like I'm not going to feel well. I already battled with PCOS and Hashimoto's and all these things. I'm not just going to bog my body down with a bunch of starches because I read in a book that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for me. What works for me is just being really mindful and making sure I eat three meals a day and being mindful with like how I'm pushing my body. Should I be pushing my body during this time? That type of thing. Fair. Okay. So we have an audience question. Mm -hmm. How, how do you fight junk food cravings? How do you fight junk food cravings? Fat. Fat helps your brain register that you're full. It also calms down your brain. It also works on parts of your brain that are too keyed up Mm -hmm. and are searching for that junk food. So I like to say sometimes I'll even have just like a tablespoon of ghee with some sea salt on it. And like that just stops me from like wanting to just go for the junk food. Really? Mm -hmm. Lots of water. Are you going to the bathroom? If you're not going to the bathroom, are you backed up? Water enemas. I love a good enema. Water enemas are great for getting that old stuff out so that the cravings aren't as active during those times. Okay. You can't just casually say water (laughs) enema. Like, I need to understand, like, are you going to someone? Are you doing it alone? What's the mechanism? So I do it on my own. I used to be really into coffee enemas. I have, like, a whole highlight on my Instagram about coffee enemas. But the thing is, like, after a while, I was like, God, this coffee, I'm feeling a little dehydrated now. My adrenals feel a little stressed out. It's too much caffeine. So then I started doing distilled water enemas. So 32 ounces of distilled water in the bag. And then I basically try and hold it for up to eight minutes and then I'll release and I'll do this. Do you do it to your, like yourself? Yeah. Like it's a DIY like, sitch? Yeah. It's just like doing a coffee enema. You get the silicone bag, uh-huh. buy it on Amazon, stick the speculum up, use a little lube on the end of it. doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't? I mean, sure. If you've got gas cramps and stuff, it's like getting a colonic or it's like taking a massive duty, you yeah. know, but like it's amazing. Like these water enemas have saved some of my clients' lives. It's also helped a lot of my binge eaters that couldn't cut the cycle. I just needed them to get to the point where they could cut the cycle. Uh And once they could cut the cycle, because when your gut, here's the thing. People are like, I have cravings. I have cravings. I'm craving sugar. I can't stop eating sugar. Well, unfortunately, if you don't abstain from it for at least three to four days, it's 
you're never going to cut that because your gut is constantly signaling your brain, I need more of this. I need more of this. I need more of this. So you just need to get to the point where you can abstain. And so sometimes pulling out that old stuff that's sitting in your gut can help like, you know, expedite that. I actually, that's a really fascinating answer. And like, also, I think when it comes to like sugar, for example, I always find that my sugar cravings go out the window if I'm like having more nutrient dense foods. Like, you know, if I'm eating mostly plants, like with really high quality proteins, exactly like I normally should be eating. That's when my sugar cravings, quote unquote, are like not really there. Whereas like if I'm under a period of like high stress and I'm not looking after what I'm eating at all, that's when I'm craving like junk food and sugar and all this crap, which I normally wouldn't. So you're right. Like it's like it all it is all to do with your gut and kind of like what you're giving it. And typically, too, like it depends on if it's sweet or salty, but I always like to have salt on hand, whether it's sea salt or Celtic salt. And then in my fridge, I'm telling you, I usually have like mini Persian cucumbers or some chopped up jicama. Jicama is one of the greatest things. because So good. So much water. And it's actually great for the gut. Mm -hmm. And so you're not only hydrating yourself, but you get physically full. And if you like squeeze lime on it and then you put the sea salt, you're like really hydrating your body and you're mindlessly snacking. And then all of a sudden you're full and it's like, you don't need that junk food anymore. Yeah, Really, really good tip. And then a last one I'm going to ask as well. How do you treat chronic candida? Oh, God. So many ways. Like, you really have to. Okay. There are so many different supplement lines that actually go in to, to kill the candida and drain it from the body. But candida, what feeds candida is dairy and sugar and too many starches. So, like, just start there, period. Cut all sugars out of your diet. I would even cut fruit out for a little while just until the you you want your body to start working on that candida. We just feed it every time. Mm-hmm. We add in dairy, we add in, you know, yeast, so like bread, pastas, too many starches, and then also like any kind of sugar, period, will feed candida. So you just got to start kind of start to work there, like really kind of restrict. And then you start to introduce once that candida starts to move out. And you can tell if you have too much candida most of the time, and especially with women, because you can see it coming out of places you don't want it to. (laughs) (laughs) This has been so informative. Thank you for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, you can find me at at vshoney, which is on Instagram, and then vshoney.com. My website is kind of a joke right now because it's so old. I just put it up before I started anything. And so I'm actually working with our dear friend, Annabelle, on creating a new website. So hopefully that'll be around in the next few months. Amazing. Thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.